Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John speaks from the subject of Jubilee, Get Free and Set Free. And now, here is today's broadcast. Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 18. Jesus stood up in the temple, in the synagogue, excuse me, in, in the city of Nazareth, where he grew up, and he, and he said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently and then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Father, would you reveal yourself to us today? Would you reveal the power in your words? Would you reveal the power in your presence and in your spirit? Lord, would you reveal in us today what it is that you still want to do in our hearts and in our lives? Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. We anticipate what you're going to do in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for your worship this morning. Well, most of the time when we think of Old Testament law, we are really glad we no longer live under that system of worship and forgiveness of sin. Most of the time we think of Old Testament, we're glad we're not there anymore, right? We're glad we don't have to worship that way, glad we don't have to have the forgiveness of sin that way. animal sacrifices and the various different kinds of offerings that were required, they seem foreign to us because Jesus fulfilled all those things when he died for our sins on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, right? He became the the, the Lamb of God slain for the forgiveness of our sins. But I think there's one concept in the Old Testament that, that you might like, and it's called Jubilee. Jubilee. It, it happened every 50 years. Now, during this time, if you had fallen on hard times, if you'd had to sell your family property, that land was returned to you in the year of Jubilee. If you had taken out a mortgage on your property, that debt was forgiven in the year of Jubilee. Y'all getting excited about this now, aren't you? Yeah. If, if, if your, your mortgage was gone on the 50th year, and if you had really fallen on hard times and had to sell yourself at, to become a slave or a servant to someone, you were set free in the year of Jubilee. It, it was kind of a reset button on the society, kind of a reset button for the people of Israel. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I think I could kind of get behind something like that, don't you? That it, it broke the curse of poverty over families. It broke the yoke of slavery. And it reminded people where they came from and, and reminded them what they had been given by the Lord. And I want to show it to you in, in Leviticus. This is, where, this is where the year of Jubilee was set up. In Leviticus chapter 25, verse 9. Then on the day of, the, of atonement in the 50th year, blow the ram's horn loud and long throughout 
the land. Set this year apart as holy, a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a jubilee year for you when each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors and and return to your own clan. Now verse 23, the land must never be sold on a permanent basis for the land, God says, the land belongs to me anyway. You are only foreigners and tenant farmers working for me. Verse 39, He said, if if one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and is forced to sell himself to you, don't treat him as a slave. Treat him instead as a hired worker or as a temporary resident who lives with you, and he will only serve you until the year of Jubilee. At that time, he and his children will no longer be obligated to you. They will return to their clans and go back to the land originally allotted to their ancestors. The people of Israel, listen to this point, the people of Israel are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt, so they must never be sold as slaves. And then verses 54 and 55 kind of puts the whole context around it. If any Israelites have not been bought back by the, year, by the time the year of Jubilee arrives, and they're, they're, they and their children must be set free at, their, at that time. For the people of Israel belong to me. They're my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Amen. So God said, hey, listen, I know stuff happens. I know life gets sideways for people sometimes. But don't ever forget that you are in this land because I gave you this land. You are free because I bought you out of slavery. You are blessed because I blessed you. So I'm not going to let you take advantage of each other. I'm not going to let you create some generational class system because you're all my people. I love all of you equally. And I want you to treat each other like brothers and sisters not like masters and slaves, not like uh, debtors and lien holders. You say, so John, you know, that's okay, but why are we talking about this if it no longer applies? Well, it actually does still apply, just not in the same way. And I want you to, I want us to look back at what Jesus said in the scripture we just read in Luke chapter four, verses 18. Listen to this again. We're just going to read 18 and 19 this time. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now that you understand Jubilee, do you see what Jesus was saying? He said, I am here to proclaim Jubilee. And listen, it's not just one year anymore since Jesus came. It's Jubilee every year. Every year is Jubilee. He said, I'm here to release the captives. I'm here to free the oppressed. I'm here to bring good news to the poor that your debts have been canceled, to open the eyes of the blind. I'm here to tell you that God's favor is upon you. He loves you. He wants you. He accepts you. That's the message that Jesus was delivering. And his Jewish audience that day in the synagogue in in, uh, Capernaum would have recognized that excuse me, in Nazareth. So now we know enough about the ministry of Jesus on the earth. We understand he never released one single person from the money they owed somebody else. He he didn't give anybody back any property while he was on the earth. He, He didn't buy anybody back from slavery. 
So if he came to proclaim the year of Jubilee, the sort of this eternal year of Jubilee, what was he talking about? Well, there are two things in, in particular that Jubilee means for us today. And if you just keep reading in Luke chapter 4, you'll see the first one. Luke 4, starting at verse 31, this is what he said. So Jesus, he left Nazareth where he had just read that from Isaiah. He left Nazareth, he went to Capernaum, Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and he taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath. There too, the people were amazed at his teaching for he spoke with authority. Once he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, began shouting at Jesus, Go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus cut him short. He said, Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man on the floor as the crowd watched, and then it came out of him without hurting him further. It had hurt him, but without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, What authority and power this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. And the news about Jesus spread through every village in the reason, in, in the region. So here's the first thing that Jubilee does for us. It allows us to get free. Jubilee allows us to get free free. See, I, I saw a message recently from Stephen Furtick. It was called uh, Dysfunctional Comfort, and it addressed the same passage of Scripture. If you get a chance to, to watch it or listen to it, I would highly recommend it. Now, despite what we call it today, you can, you can call it an addiction. You can call it a habit. You can call it a problem. You can call it a besetting sin like they did in, in the King James in, Hebrew, in Hebrews. You can call it a dysfunction as Furtick did in that message. You, you can call it whatever you want to call it. You can put whatever title you want to put on it. You might not be a slave, but there are millions of people, especially in America, who are still enslaved to something. The enemy has caused something in your life that's keeping you bound. It's controlling you. It's controlling your thoughts. It's controlling your actions and your reactions. You're doing things you don't even want to do. You're doing things you hate, and you hate yourself while you do them. There are things you wish you could stop, but it's almost like you're not in control of it, like something or someone else is your master. See, when Jesus stood up in the temple that day, he had already declared jubilee in Nazareth. He had already spoken the word that he had come to bring deliverance. He had come to bring freedom. He had already said he was going to release the captives. So in Capernaum, he, he encountered a man who was not literally a slave, but was just as bound as one. So Jesus looked at the man, and he said to the cause of that man's problem, which in this case was a demon, he said to that thing, come out, come out. And he had the authority to do it because now it was the Word of God. He had spoken it, and the Word of God always accomplishes what it's sent out to do. So when he said to that demon, come out, it came out. It came out. Listen to me this morning. There is no problem you have that Jesus does not still have the authority over that problem. There's no habit, there's no addiction that's so strong that Jesus cannot deliver you from it. 
There's no sin so horrible that Jesus can't forgive you of it. There's no bondage so strong that Jesus is not still stronger than that thing. So, so in, in, I came to declare this morning that it's jubilee. What Jesus declared 2,000 years ago is still true today. And listen, it's not some numerology thing. I didn't check the Jewish calendar. It's jubilee because Jesus came and said it was jubilee every year, every day of your life. So if you're a child of God, Satan has no right to hold you any longer. He's been defeated and you have been set free. The chains of sin have been broken by the power of Jesus. The curse of sin has been satisfied by the cross of Jesus. The price of sin has been paid by the blood of Jesus. The effects of sin can be eliminated in your life if you'll receive the word of Jesus. So speak to that slave master in your life and tell it, come out in the name of Jesus. It's jubilee. The slaves are set free. We have a new master now, and his name is Jesus. So get free in Jesus' name. You say, well, John, that sounds great. Sounds great, but this sin is strong. It's just so strong. This demon is so strong. This habit is so strong. Listen, you better watch what you say. You better watch what you say. It's not stronger than Jesus. It's stronger than you. It's stronger than me, but it's not stronger than Jesus. So you keep speaking the name of Jesus over it every day if you have to. Every time it comes up if you have to. You call it by its name. Whatever its name is. Perversion, lust, alcohol, drugs, nicotine. Listen, gossip, rebellion, complaining, negative attitude, Fear, laziness, and lethargy, cursing, lying, whatever that thing is, you call it by its name and you say, in the name of Jesus, come out. You have no right to operate in me because I'm a child of God. Some people are, are delivered immediately. A lot, I've, I've seen, I know a lot of people that were immediately delivered from the things that were holding them back. Jimmy Muse, who usually comes to the 11 o'clock service, one of our council members. Jimmy's told me he was delivered from cigarettes one, one, uh, one Sunday morning, hadn't wanted another one since. That's the power of God in the name of Jesus. It came out. And we've had people delivered and set free from drugs and all kinds of things. But I've had other friends who said, oh, I gave up alcohol and drugs, no problem. But that cigarette smoking took me 10 years. I've known pastors who've struggled with pornography for years before they finally defeated it in their lives. L listen, don't think that just because it's taking some time that it's not still going to do what Jesus said for it to do. It will be obedient. Listen, y'all, have y'all, did y'all ever pout and, and, and try to put off what your parents told you to do? Did y'all ever pout? I mean, no, no, not you, little innocent. Hey, if you could turn down your halo, it's blinding me this morning. And, you know, your parents tell you to do something, you don't want to do it, and you whine, and you complain, and you take your time. And I don't know if your parents were like my parents, but my parents said something like, listen, you can pout and pitch a fit all you want to, but you're still going to do what I told you to do. Right? Listen, 
Did you, did you see what happened when Jesus told that devil to leave the man? He didn't go quietly or easily, did he? He didn't just tuck his tail, if he has a tail, he didn't just tuck his tail and run. The man convulsed violently on the floor. That thing put up a fight. It pouted and pitched a fit, but it was ultimately obedient to the Word of God. Whatever you're fighting against this morning, whatever has you enslaved this morning, it might take some time. It might happen instantly, or it might take some time. But if you'll stay faithful and not give up, it has no choice but to be obedient to the command of Jesus. It's why Jesus came, so you could get free. So be free in the name of Jesus. We're about to enter into a brand new year. Wouldn't you like to be free from that thing in 2019? So start this morning. Jubilee means you can get free. You can get free. Here's the second thing. The second thing that, that Jubilee means for us. Not only can you get free, but you can set free. Now you can't that don't rhyme if you two country, okay? You got to do get and set, all right? Matthew chapter 18, <clears throat> Matthew 18. Peter came, this is a fairly lengthy passage, but you'll understand why we need to read all of it. Peter came to Jesus and said, uh, hey, uh, how, Lord, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Peter was being generous. He was being, it sounded very religious to say seven times. Jesus said, nah, not seven times. How about 70 times seven times? And, of course, Peter and the rest of the guys freaked out, lost their minds. So Jesus decided he needed to explain some things to him. So he said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. I don't know about y'all, we could sell every, everything I've ever shook hands with and you won't get millions of dollars. <clears throat> the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servants fell down before him, begged for a little more time. Uh, Please be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. Does that sound familiar? But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, because they were recording it for YouTube, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king, told him everything that had happened. The king called the man back that he had forgiven. He said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father, this is Jesus, my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. 
Y'all would have preferred I not read that this morning, wouldn't you? I would, I would have left that out of the Bible if I were writing it, but it's right there and we have to do something with it, right? We have to be obedient to it. Now, most of us don't have people who owe us millions of dollars or even thousands of dollars, but every one of us has had someone do us wrong. And that is, according to this example of Jesus, that is a debt that they owe. And we keep people enslaved to that debt with unforgiveness. So let's establish this right off the bat. This man legitimately owed the king this money. The debt was real. The man didn't even try to say it wasn't. He didn't even try to defend himself and say, oh, I didn't say, I didn't owe, I, didn't, I don't know they owe you that money. He, say, he, he knew he owed him the money. The debt was legitimate. Listen, the way they hurt you this morning was wrong. What people did to you was wrong. The way you were treated was wrong. Nobody's disputing the validity of the debt. This passage of Scripture does not question that legitimacy. It simply says, because there are people, there are people in this place today who have been, who, you've been treated in unspeakable ways. You, you've, you've been abused and neglected and, and, and assaulted and spiritually abused by a pastor or some other leader. There have been people who were unfaithful to you in marriage, disloyal to you in some other close relationship. All those things are damaging. They're all devastating, and they are not your fault. But listen to me. Just because it's not your fault doesn't mean it's not your responsibility. You may not have asked for the hurt, but you can ask for the healing. You are, you are holding that person's debt over them if you have unforgiveness in your heart. You're holding their debt over them. You're angry. You're vengeful. You want them to get what's coming to them. You're bitter. It's tainted your other relationships. You don't trust people anymore. You don't enjoy church anymore, maybe. You don't give your best at work anymore, maybe. It has affected your life. It is, it is the great irony of being offended. They're the guilty party, but you're the one in prison. You're the one with the ball and chain. You're the one with the baggage. You are making yourself miserable and the other person either doesn't know it or doesn't care. Listen to me. Sometimes the only way to get free is to set free. Sometimes the only way to get free is to set free. This is where this message came from. There were, there, several weeks ago, the Lord dropped this in my spirit. Wouldn't it be great to start the new year free? from all that bitterness wouldn't it be great to start a brand new year without all of that weight without all of that sorrow wouldn't it be nice to take a deep clean breath of fresh air to start your 2019 the, the command to forgive might be the most selfish thing god allows you to do think about that for a second the, the command to forgive might be the most selfish thing that God commands you to do because you are the beneficiary when you forgive. Look at Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine. And that's part of our, the, the uh, core values of our church. We, life's tough, so laughing helps. We, we like that. But let's look at the second half of that, uh, of that verse. But a broken spirit saps a person's strength. 
A broken spirit saps a person's strength. That, that's exactly what happened when that person hurt you. They, they broke your spirit. They dried up. Another, another translation says they dried up your bones. And there's only one way to start the healing process. Only one way to bring life back to your bones. Only one way to have a cheerful heart again. And that's you've got to forgive. You have to set them free. You say, but I don't want that person to get off the hook. Y'all heard that? Have you said that? I don't want to let that person off the hook. Listen, you have no authority over the hook. (laughs) You got no authority to put somebody on the hook or to take somebody off the hook. The hook don't belong to you. Your, Your misery and bitterness is not punishing them. It's punishing you. You aren't keeping them on the hook by staying hurt. You're keeping yourself there. God's the only one who has the authority to judge. He's the only one who has the authority to judge other people for what they've done, and he always fulfills his his responsibilities. You don't have to worry. He does not need your help. The guilty will pay for their sins. But that's not just the good news, is it? That's also the bad news. I mean, that's the whole point of this passage. We don't necessarily want justice for all. We just want justice for them. We don't want justice for all because that would mean our debts would get called as well. Because we all owe debts to other people. You say, but I was the innocent party in this. and, and, And furthermore, I would never hurt an innocent party the way somebody hurt me. Every time we sin, we sin against God. Who's more innocent than God? Every time we sin, we are driving the nails in the hands and the feet of Jesus. What sin was Jesus guilty of? If it weren't for us and for our sins, he would never have had to be crucified in the first place. We're not just the victims, we're also the perpetrators. Read Matthew 5. Matthew 5 will hurt your feelings. Matthew 5 will humble you and change your perspective on the way we treat each other. Read it. Because Jesus tells us whatever has been done to to us, we've done just as bad to somebody else. That's Jesus' point in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, you may not have gone as far as to physically murder somebody, but we've assassinated people's character with our mouths. We've said things that were untrue or unfair or unnecessary. We've done things to get even with them or to harm them. We've interfered with some opportunity that they may have had coming up. We may have appealed to a mutual friend or acquaintance to get them to see it our way. We may not have committed adultery, but we've lusted in our hearts for other people. That's what Jesus said. We may not have stolen, but we've been envious of what other people have. We've, we've thought about how much more we deserve it than that person deserves it. And that was Jesus' point in this parable. We are holding people accountable for the thousands of dollars worth of legitimate offense and debt that they owe us, but we seem to have forgotten the millions that's already been forgiven us by the Father of what we owed Him. 
And if we want to receive the forgiveness of the Father, then we've got to be willing to forgive those who have sinned against us. Jesus has declared jubilee. Our sins can be forgiven. So who are we to withhold the same forgiveness from somebody else? As a matter of fact, if you're a child of God, this is not just a suggestion. It's not just an opportunity It's a commandment. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. You can do this King James in your head if you want to. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need or our daily bread. uh, And forgive us, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Forgive us as we forgive, in the same way or to the same extent that we have forgiven others. And in case you think Jesus misspoke in the Lord's Prayer that he was teaching us, he goes on to clarify it in the next two verses, verse 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. You cannot expect from God what you are unwilling to extend to others. Look back at this parable one more time. Just just verses 29 through 35 from Matthew 18. His fellow servant fell down before him, begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, I'll pay it. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw it, they were very upset. They went to the king, told him everything happened. The king called the man in that he had forgiven. He said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry man sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid the debt. And that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. The king sent the man to be tortured. See, a lot of times we think we're being tortured by what's been done to us. We think we're being tortured by the offense. It may very well be that we are being tortured by our own unforgiveness. You aren't being tortured by them you're torturing yourself. If your unforgiveness is torturing you, if it's drying up your bones, then why wait? Forgive today. Release today. Set them free today. It works just like we just talked about getting released from slavery. Speak the word. Say it out loud. I wouldn't recommend saying it out loud right now, but you say You say out loud, I forgive so-and-so for doing such-and-such to me. I release them. And you can you you say it every day if you need to. You say it every time the thoughts of them and what they did to you comes into your mind. And you can rest assured the enemy will remind you of it every chance he gets. You may not have seen them in years, but I promise you, when you start to forgive them, you start to release them, they're going to show up at Walmart. They're going to show up everywhere you go. 
You confess it. You confess it and declare it until your feelings catch up with you. You confess it and declare it until that sore spot now becomes numb. When you can look at them, when you can think about what happened, and it remains a fact, but it does not bring a feeling with it. You release them. You release them. And if that offense comes swimming back to you, then you catch it and release it again. Because that thing is carrying poison for you. It's carrying dryness for your bones and death to your spirit. So let that thing go. Throw it back. Set free so you can get free. If, if, they've, if they know you've been holding a grudge, sometimes we can do this, and the person never knew we were holding, we, they never knew we had a problem. So we can do that, and everything's great. But sometimes they know there's been animosity, and you need, to, you need to call them and let them know, or send them a note, or a text, or an email, or a whatever, smoke signals. Do something to let them know. Call them up and say, I've been holding a grudge. You know there's been a problem. I just want you to know I'm done. It's done. Don't listen. Do not dig up all the details. Do not go back through everything. Don't punish them again. Just tell them you forgive them and tell them you're sorry you held a grudge as long as you did. And then hang up the phone before you mess it all up. Right? <laughs> and as a matter of fact, if you know you've done something to offend or hurt somebody, if you have either retaliated or you have, you have been the aggressor, you need to take care of that too. Matthew 5, in the passage that we just talked about in, in being angry, Matthew 5, 23 and 24 said, if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and suddenly you remember someone has something against you, so you did something to somebody else, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. This is in the same passage when we talked about anger. If in your anger you've said something or done something to hurt somebody, own it and ask for their forgiveness. And again, don't try to justify it. Don't try to explain it. Don't say, well, if you hadn't done that, then I... Don't do all that. Just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did to you or said about you or whatever it was. I'm sorry about that, and I hope you can forgive me. And then move on. God is serious about reconciliation. He's serious about our horizontal relationships being right. Why? Because they keep us in bondage if they're not. And then as a next step, as if this is not a big enough step, as a next step, do what Luke 6 says. Luke 6, 27. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who hurt you. Not pray about them. Pray for them. Verses 35 and 36 says, Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you'll truly be acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate. Just as your Father is compassionate. See, it's one thing to pray about them. It's another thing to pray for them and to bless them. But that's what God's called us to do. And he wouldn't ask you to do it if he wasn't going to give you the power to accomplish it. That's what his Holy Spirit does 
for us and in us. The same power that raised Jesus back from the dead on the third day is living and moving and operating in us. And he will give us the power to forgive and the power to bless and the power to love. See, I'm, I'm, I'm just tired of trying to figure out how to act around people who have hurt me. Isn't that weird? Isn't it weird when you see somebody and you know, and you, just, and you don't know what to do? They've lied about you. They've said, and said things and done things to harm you, and you don't know how to act. I've just decided I ain't trying to act nothing. I'm just going to forgive everybody for everything. I'm just done with all of that stuff. It, it, listen, it doesn't mean I'm dumb. It doesn't mean I'm going to go put myself back in a position to get hurt by somebody who's unrepentant. That ain't what I'm saying, right? I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not going to be careful around people that have a track record of harming people and doing the wrong thing. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm tired of dragging all that stuff into every new year. That stuff is going to die in 2018. And, and here is why. And I want to show you this for everybody's sake. 1 Samuel chapter 10. A brief, you'll come on. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 20. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord. The tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. So they're kind of they're basically drawing straws, something like that. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord. The family of, of the Matrites was chosen. Finally, Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they said, where is he? Where he at? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. Samuel said to all the people, oh, I'm sorry, they found him and they brought him out and he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. And Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. There's nobody else like him in all of Israel. And the people shouted, long live the king. God has a great destiny for you. He has a calling for you. He has a plan for you since before you were born. A place for you to serve, a place for you to thrive, a, a place for you to grow and impact the kingdom of God. But listen, you will never reach it if you keep hiding behind your baggage. If you keep hiding behind the bitterness and the unforgiveness. They could not anoint the man king because he, there was, he was hiding behind the baggage. You will never be anointed. You will never be appointed. You will never be, be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. You'll never be placed where God has for you to be placed until you lose the baggage. Let me ask you something. Is, is that person who ever did whatever to you or those people because if you live long enough, you ain't going to just be hurt one time. It's going to be over and over again. Is that person really worth missing what God has for you? Is that person really worth God beginning, God having to count your sins against you because he can't forgive you of them because you won't forgive the other people? Can, can you afford that? If you refuse to forgive... You are elevating that person and that offense over what God wants to do in your life. But if you will unlock the chains of unforgiveness, what you'll find is that your chains will fall off. You have to set free 
in order to get free. Jesus declared jubilee. Captives are released. Debts are canceled. Slaves are free. You are free from your dysfunction. You are free from whatever it is that's binding you and holding you back. You are free to forgive. And I want to start 2019 with all the relational baggage gone, all the, all the hurt, all the offense, all of that stuff gone. I don't want to drag I don't want to drag anything into the new year that doesn't position me for God's blessing and God's favor. So it's time to get free and set free in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand with me, please? I I, I have felt strongly for, for weeks now that this was the word that I needed to preach on this day of the year. And it's not just for, it is for me, but it's not just for me, it's for you too. And so I just, I I want you, I don't want us to be in a hurry. I don't want us to be in a hurry because this is is life-changing stuff right here. This is life and death right here. So don't be in a rush. We're going to pray and I'm going to, as I always do, I'm going to ask God, to, to allow his Holy Spirit just to move freely among us and to search our hearts. And, and you need to listen as the Holy Spirit searches your heart. I, I did this yesterday. I said, God, is there somebody I haven't forgiven? Is there somebody I'm still mad at? Somebody that I'm still hurt towards? Is there some, something that's been done to me uh, or around me that, that I'm still salty about? And if there is, show them, show them to me so I can forgive them and we can move on. I can move on so you can move on. Ask the Lord as he's searching you to show you anything that's holding you back, any bondage that's in your life, anything that might be separating you from the best God has for you and be willing to lay it down. Be willing to go through what it takes to get free from that. Then we're going to Spend some time in prayer. The altar will be open open now if you want to come. We're going to spend some time in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, thank you, Jesus, that you came to declare jubilee in our lives. Thank you that you came to set us free. The captives, the captives that we couldn't, we couldn't rescue ourselves, we couldn't free ourselves. Thank you that you came to set us free. God, I pray that you would search our hearts, that you would show us those things that we have either allowed to continue from the time before we met you or that we have entangled ourselves again with and that we are now bound again. Lord, you can set us free. If you did it once, you can do it again. You have, you have done it. You accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished. Lord, help us to walk in the freedom that you declared in Luke chapter 4 when you said that the captives were released, the prisoners were free. And God, I pray that you would help us to release other people from the things they've done for, to us. God, I pray that you would give us the strength through your Holy Spirit. Give us the strength to call those people's names to you and release them for what they've done. And that we'll quit telling that story. 
And then we'll quit dwelling on that thing and we'll quit defending ourselves and we'll quit worrying about it and thinking about it. God, that when those people come up in our lives after we have blessed them, after, after, after we have forgiven them and released them, that we will pray for them and we'll bless them. Because that's when we truly know that it's over. So Lord, whatever stage of that we're in, I pray that you help us to keep pushing through it so that we can be positioned to receive your blessing and your favor in this new year. God, we want to start clean. We want to start clean. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.